Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Dan, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Copenhagen, Jack Hermanson versus Jared Cannonier, and Shaq is going down this Saturday in Denmark. The UFC leader in ground and pound is taking on the killer gorilla, Jared Cannonier, in the main event. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys have known that I've been hyping Jack Hermanson up for quite some time. I mean, this guy uh, arguably has the best ground and pound in the world. I mean, we saw what happened in the Talos latest uh, fight back in the day. It was Max best season. You know, a rib popped out, and he's still, and he's still smashed the brazilian uh jiu-jitsu black belt and then i mean now he's uh evolved himself and now he's out here taking guys like jockey ray down and staying in their guard and beating him up and beating him on the map putting him in that guillotine choke i mean you know between you and me jockey ray definitely thought about tapping you know what i'm saying so uh i think jack hermanson's one of the best in the world and cannonier man he's coming off that win over anderson silva i mean you know a few years ago you would have told me cannonier would have been in these uh you know, main event spots that he's been in, you know, uh, recently. I would have told you that you're crazy, but man, this guy's been getting better since he moved down to 185. I mean, it seems like he's finally putting things together. And I mean, his size, those calf kicks like we saw his last fight, I mean, the dude's very scary. It's a very explosive main event. Obviously, with Jack Hermanson, he's a guy we've been hyping since he was on the prelims. Now he's in his second straight main event. And we talk about how, you know, at first uh, when we heard that this guy has the best ground and pound in the UFC, we thought it might be this big joke. Well, apparently it's not a big joke at all because this guy gets on top of you and he starts landing that ground and pound, man. Guys don't react the same, and not to mention he's got a nasty guillotine that can finish fights as well. If this fight hits the mat, it might be over shortly after. But when you're talking about a guy like Jared Cannonier, talk about a transformation. We saw this guy knock people out at heavyweight. We saw him at light heavyweight. Now he's in middleweight. He really has found his home. Two straight wins in a row, two straight knockouts in a row. Now he's got this main event spot with Jack Hermanson in Europe. Yeah, man. I mean, to go out there and beat a, a legend like Anderson Silva in Brazil was very impressive. I mean, uh, look, he's the second guy to break his leg, and, uh, you know, those, those calf kicks were crucial. They really were, man. And uh, I have a feeling that, you know, this fight will be the classic striker versus grappler matchup. You know, you know which realm each guy wants to go in. And, I mean, that being said, we've seen Jerry Cannonier get on top of people and pound them out, too. We saw Jack Hermanson drop Jacare, so it's not like these guys are, you know, raw in the other areas of the game, but we know where they preferably want to get it on Saturday night in Denmark. Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got Nohaline Hernandez, he's 10-3, and and Jack Shore is 11-0. Currently, they got Jack Shore minus 165. The comeback on Nohaline Hernandez is plus 145, but we've heard a lot of hype about this kid, Jack Shore, finally making that UFC debut, taking on the very tough Nohaline Hernandez. Nohaline trying to bounce back after a loss to Cheeto Vera. You think he gets back in the win column, or you think Jack Shore makes it 1-0 in the UFC? I actually bet on Cheeto Vera in that uh, it was a short-notice spot, you know, that Nohaline was taken. And Nohaline, one thing I noticed that on his on his local scenes fight, the reason why I was comfortable, uh, you know, doing that is because I've seen him get dropped by lesser guys. I've seen him get dropped and submitted by one and two guys in the past, like in 2017. So, you know, I knew this kid was a very developing fighter. But, you know, one thing I will say, the kid is exciting. He, you know, he does have some flair to him. He definitely likes to go for flying knees and you know he's out here taking pro boxing matches so when this matchup with jack shore i feel like uh no helene is pretty much in a, in a similar situation that he he's in in, a, in most of his fights you know the weakness in his game is either a his chin or b his wrestling and you know we saw his last 
last fight that he was able to have Cheeto Vera, you know, uh, on his back. And Cheeto, you know, uh, I wouldn't say he has bad wrestling, but he's more of a jujitsu, uh, a jujitsu guy. You know what I'm saying? He's a Brazilian jujitsu black belt, and I mean, he had his way with him anytime he uh, wanted to on that mat. And I think Nohalene, after a fight like that, now he's in. He went. He did this whole camp in Thailand. I'm sure you know that was a big wake up call that you know I need to get my grappling better. But he's out there working on his Muay Thai, so we'll see uh, how it plays out for him. But Jack Shore, on the other hand, is pretty much. What I would like to say, you know, there's nothing too flashy about him, but he gets the job done. He pretty much wins. He gets his job done. You know, there's not he's not going to come out here throwing no flying knees or you no know, big, you know, big head kicks or open up too much with the hands. This guy's just going to kind of very similar to and I actually think he might be a little bit uh, more talented than Brett Johns, but a, a similar approach. He just likes to walk forward. He likes to, he's a very big bantamweight. And when this guy gets a cold of you in the clinch, he's most likely going to take you down and control you. And that's what he does in most of his fights, man. The guy just gets that body lock and uh, does his thing. And I mean, he and, he, and he's been, he, he's got a, uh, fought UFC vets like uh, Von Lee. And he's beaten 7-0 guys. So I think Jack Shore is a little bit more far along. I know that Nohaline Hernandez, there's a good chance he comes a lot better after after uh, taking that out, so I, I see why you know the people are thinking that he's got the stand-up edge on this uh, in this fight. But sometimes, man, he doesn't have the chin to really capitalize on that stand-up uh, on the, some of that flashiness. So I'm actually gonna go with Jack Shore here. I kind of agree closer to what the uh, the bookie had on the opener. They had him opened up at minus 245. I think it's more closer to that. I think it could play out possibly to be a tough fight. This is his debut. It's gonna be a lot of pressure. But I got Jack Shore by decision win just by taking him down. Look, Nohalene's very exciting. We enjoy watching him fight. It's kill or be killed, but the reality here is that to be in the UFC, man, especially in the Bantamweight division, you better be a well-rounded fighter. And not saying that he's not out here training his jiu-jitsu, but on the UFC level, it just ain't there, man. I mean, he's more of a, you know, a boxer slash exciting striker, likes to throw his flying knees, but the deal with that is he's chinny on the feet as well. So, man, it's a... Uh, it's one of those things where I think Nohalene probably should have had a couple more fights on that regional scene before he made that UFC debut, whereas Jack Shore already had the right fights, already won that Cage Warriors belt, did what he needed to do, and now he's making the UFC debut at the right time. And, man, I think he comes out here, I think he takes him down, I think he takes his back, and I think he chokes him out. I'm going Jack Shore via submission. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Mark Dicasey, he's 13-3, and, and Lando Venata is 10-3-2. Currently, they got Mark Dicasey, minus 155. The comeback on Lando Venata is plus 135. Well, Shaq, it's interesting because when this fight opened up, it was a pick em, And I was initially like, man, I think Mark Dicasey should be, you know, uh, somewhat of a considerable favorite here. But then I watched tape, and now I understand why this fight is a pick em. And I think it's going to be a very exciting fight while it lasts, man. I mean, when you talk about both these guys, they're both coming off much-needed wins. I mean, they're... They both had some losing streaks going on or winless streaks because I know Lando Venata had the draws Draw mixed streaks. in there with the <laughs> with the games. losses, you know what I'm saying? But uh, they both overcame that, got some very impressive performances. Now, we can sit here and, you know, criticize the level of opposition they fought, especially Lando with uh, Marcos Mariano being the guy he beat in the first round. And, you know, Mark DeCasey feasted on the remains of Joe Duffy. But look, those guys needed those wins to get their confidence back. And now I think they probably are going to perform at their best. They're going to meet here in Copenhagen. The better man's going to win. And what's interesting to me about this fight is that I do think Mark DeCasey is the faster guy, the more explosive guy. But man, uh, both guys are susceptible to calf kicks and both guys kick very, very hard. That's where it's going to get interesting. Uh, what happens down the stretch when both guys get gassed, you know? The word on Lando is that he's really good for the first seven and a half minutes. And then uh, he shuts down and has nothing left. And that's been the case in a lot of fights. Uh, we have wanted to see uh, him show an improvement in his cardio. Maybe he does that here. 
And with Mark Casey, I remember him being down two rounds to Dracar Close. He went out there, won that third round, which is something he's done in the past when he was tied one-to-one -one with Frankie Perez, went out there, won that third round. So I've seen Mark Casey win the third round more than once. So assuming that someone doesn't get knocked out in that first round, which Lando drops every single person he fights, so someone might get knocked out in this first round. But if someone doesn't and it gets extended... I see it being a one-to-one -one fight going into that third round. All, all comes down to who wins that third. I'm going to go with Casey to slightly edge it out. But a Lando knockout won't surprise me because he has knocked down every single person he's fought. The guy kicks hard. The guy punches hard. Been in there with some very tough guys. So has Casey. It's going to be a very dynamic fight. But I'm going to go with Casey to edge a decision here. It's interesting to see the... The favorite, not saying the, the uh, you know, it's a, a decent lean on DeCasey at minus 155, and he did have the three losses. Granted, those three losses, there's no shame in losing the close, uh, close, uh, who else did he Nasrat. fight? Nasrat and Daniel Hooker, you know, and he's a very young kid, so DeCasey, he's young, he, he was fighting at a very high level that he just quite wasn't ready for, and then he got the Duffy fight, and I mean, he styled on him, did his thing, the calf kicks took him down, I mean, he put on a nice little clinic, fully mounted him, I mean, that was a good, uh, fight for him to exercise a lot of demons and Lando Venata too man Lando Venata the, yeah he was kind of building this pattern up of besides the the Jakar close fight Jakar's just a bully he wasn't letting none of that happen but uh and most of his other fights he'd kind of pick up his rhythm of like absolutely wiping the floor with these guys for a good like five minutes you know what I'm saying like dropping them all over the place like Bobby Green and then he'll make a huge mistake like the illegal knee in that fight or uh you know the Matt Frivola fight I mean he sat him down twice with a head kick one with a straight I mean going into this fight uh, I'm thinking I've seen DeCasey in some wars before but Kenny is he a type of guy that can come back from being from getting dropped and I mean dropped with the hands not from a calf kick you know what I'm saying I'm talking like on his chin if he just makes a mistake inside the pocket and he gets floored on his ass can he come back and uh and weather the storm you know i know matt guys like matt frivola i know i, I wouldn't say they're as, as talented as mark de casey but matt frivola does have a little edge to him you know what i'm saying he's a little you know i was in atlanta when he fought jalen turner i mean there's a there's a hundred motherfuckers in that crowd screaming uh steamrolling you know what i'm saying and then uh, his other fights with uh guys like bobby green who are a lot more experienced been in wars you know i'm, I'm a little i have doubts that de casey has that type that quality in him if he uh if he can come back in a fight like that. So Lando Venata, on the other hand, it's really if you make him work. If you make him work in that clinch, you make him wrestle after you, whether his storm is when he gets tired. He's a good wrestler, talented wrestler. It's really hard to necessarily take him down, but just lean on him in the clinch. I don't know if the Casey really does things like that. He likes to be very calm, chill on the outside, throwing his little cute kicks. And those are nice when you're fighting a guy on one leg, but unless Lando's uh, got one leg, but I feel like Lando can withstand the calf kicks a little better than Mark DeCasey. This fight should be a pick him. So I feel like the values on Lando Venata. He throws slightly more, slightly better boxing. And like I said, I have doubts that DeCasey can come back from a fight that he's been dropped in. So I got to go with Lando Venata by uh, second round TKO. Now next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Macy Chauzon. She's 5-0 and and Lena Landsberg is 9-4. and Currently, they got Macy Chauzon minus 420. The comeback on Lena Landsberg is plus 335. Well, Shaq, Lena Landsberg is coming off one big upset. Uh, you think she's going to make it two in a row here, man? Because that last one, she was also... She was in the plus 330s there, so if she gets this one, that's two massive upsets in a row. Well, yeah, I mean, her last fight, the bookies opened at minus 175, Evinger and Lena the slight dog there, and the people bet Tanya Evinger. <laughs> I mean, I, Imagine I mean, betting Tanya <laughs> Evinger at Chuck. <laughs> 
and looking yourself in the mirror. Anyways, and then uh, Tanya Evinger turned up on her. Uh, I mean, Lena turned up on her. So that was just a bad, uh, you know, that was just a bad uh, bet on a lot of people's part on Tanya Evinger in that spot. She's completely done off the cyborg fight and the uh, and the Aspen Lad fight. So, and then. Uh, Macy Chazon is very green, you know, I will say that, she's very green, but she's very talented, you know, she's got a very good mindset, she trains at a good camp at Fortis, I mean, my boy's safe, that guy changes lives, I mean, you saw what he did for Diego Ferreira and Uriah Hall, you know, out there beating Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champions, and you know, I feel like Macy Chazon, eventually, she's gonna stop making these little slight mistakes, like getting taken down by Sarah Morass, but hey, you know, Sarah Morass, is, uh, hey, she got she got a good ground game, man. <laughs> she can uh, she just uh, finished my girl Jojua, who pulled one of the biggest stunts I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, I feel like uh, Chazon is gonna come out here and just we've seen Lena struggle in the past when you know fights get extended and she's in the clinch with like girls like uh, Giannis Kuniskaya or Aspen Ladd, in which she got finished. I feel like this is the next younger, you know person that she's gonna lose to and i got macy chase on uh she might have to go 15 minutes for this one lena's a tough chick so i, I say macy chase on by decision macy chow's on needs to make a point to make this decisive but luckily enough she makes all her fights decisive because she goes out there and pounds these girls out and i think that's what she's got to do here to get the win because lena landsberg not only not only is she fighting on european turf not only does she have a good history on european turf but even when she gets her eye closed and it looks like she absolutely lost these judges love the elbow queen, Lena Landsberg, so Macy Chazon needs to make this extra definitive to go out here and get the win. And I think that's exactly what she's going to do, man. I think she's going to get on top of her. I think she's going to pound her out. I think it's going to be a TKO. I think Macy Chazon's going to advance. But, man, if Lena Landsberg gets one little elbow, gets one little cut with an elbow, or, you know, this fight's a little bit closer than it should be, these European judges love the elbow queen, man, so don't be surprised. But I'm still going to go with Macy Chazon to stop this fight and... We probably won't need the judges here. Featherweight division, we got Brandon Davis, he's 10-7, and seven, and Giga Chikadze is 7-2. and two. Currently, they got Brandon Davis, minus 150. The comeback on Giga Chikadze is plus 130. Well, Shaq, I know you're very familiar with both of these guys. Now, the question here is, obviously, with Brandon Davis, we always say, we always criticize his ground game, but in this specific fight, he's the one with the advantage on the mat. You think he utilizes that, or you think he's going to try to stand a bang with the former uh, glory kickboxer? Yeah, if he's smart, but you know, I think Brandon's. I, I don't want to get too personal. I just think he's a. I don't want to criticize the people around him, but he just doesn't really have that professional team around him. You know what I'm saying? That he's training in his uh in his garage. You know, this gym in his garage with his boys, and, the, and you know that's good and all. And you know, he was doing the 35 thing, and that fight with Kyung Ho didn't go his way. It wasn't just his ground game; he got dropped in that fight as well. It's one of those things where Brandon. His uh, potential has kind of run out, you know, so I feel like this, honestly, even though Gigi Kachatze has absolutely beaten nobody in, in MMA, at least, Brandon Davis is the type of, I mean, what does he always say? I want somebody to stand and bang with me, so he ain't looking to take, you can think he's looking to take this to the ground, but you can assume, but I feel like he's going to come to stand with the uh Chikaze because look you know he's probably thinking that Giga Chikaze his glory uh, his glory fights you know are going one way but his MMA fights really aren't because he hasn't really been fighting anybody so this is gonna be a fight played out on the feet for the most part I feel that uh Austin Springer the guy that beat Giga Chikaze I mean that guy's a wrestler Brandon does he wants he wants to be a, a Muay Thai striker you know what I'm saying so I I got Giga Chikaze I think the value's on him here oh he hasn't fought anybody I think he's gonna get the the stand-up fight that he's been looking for, and I, I think this is the guy to give it to him. I got Giga Chikadze by knockout. Giga Chikadze on that glory scene, man. 
What a devastating left kick. When you hear the sound of that kick, man, you cringe. And, I mean, dudes go down. That body kick is absolutely devastating. But, you know, he doesn't got those 16-ounce gloves anymore. You're not fighting in, in a ring with ropes. Now you're fighting in the UFC's octagon. And when you talk about Giga Chikazi's MMA career, it's night and day from his kickboxing career. I mean, the guys he's in there with, so on Contender Series, he lost to a complete tough reject, you know what I'm saying? And he didn't just lose to this guy, he got finished by this guy. And every single person on that show that won got signed that night except Austin Springer because, I mean, they were trying to set this kid up and Giga couldn't even pass that test. Well, since that point, he goes out there, rebounds with a 12-second armbar against a 2-32 and guy. I'm not exaggerating here when I say the guy he beat was 2-32. and I'm 100% serious. And then he also beat an 0-1 guy. And, you know, you're telling me a 12-second armbar against a 2-32 and guy is enough to make me pick him against a guy who's actually won fights in the octagon? I don't think so, man. And not only that, when we look at Brandon Davis' last win in the ATL, which we were both at, he took the guy down, he took his back, and he choked him out. So even though against... He dropped like three times. <laughs> he did get dropped. He still choked the kid out. Even though against real guys like, um, like Kyung Ho Kang, who's been in the UFC since, what, 2012 or whatever. You know, he's going to split decisions with real guys, something that Chikadze's never experienced in his life in terms of MMA because kickboxing is a completely different sport. I'm going to go with Brandon Davis here, man. I think he's got the experience edge, and I think it's going to pay dividends here. And also, this is a short-notice spot for Chikadze. But one thing I don't like is that Davis was fighting at 35s, and you know he was really dedicated to make that weight class running like 20 miles. I forgot if it was a day, a week, or something like that. Now at 45s, he's probably drinking a little more beer. So, you know, it's going to be the the Brandon that loses every fight. But I still think he's got what he got. I still think he's got what it takes to beat Giga Chikadze here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Ismail, the Austrian wonder boy, Nardiev. He's 18 and 3. And CR, the great Baja Derzada, is 24-7. and seven. Currently, they got Ismail Nardiev, minus 175. The comeback on CR, Baja Derzada, is plus 155. Well, Shaq, after the hype that Ismail Nardiev had, I thought he was going to be a huge favorite here. It seems like people aren't really uh, willing to lose money on him again after the stunt he pulled against Chance Rencounter. You think he gets back on track, or are you going with uh, CR, Baja Derzada? Yeah, you know, Nardiev, uh, I mean, the tractor fight really wasn't that impressive. Tractor's a 5-6 welterweight, you know, a blow. 55 are coming up and tractor the age finally caught up to him i mean how long do you think a five six worlds away can have success fighting you know six one and six two guys you know what i'm saying so and he gassed out in that fight as well it was just tractor would flop to his back anytime they would get into any type of 50 50 type of a scramble situation so what he did against ren counter really wasn't that shocking i mean when you really go uh back and watch i mean he flopped to his back in the first fight and he went to his back in the second fight now ren counter he's a college wrestler cr brahadazada is a one-dimensional power puncher you know what i'm saying but even though i say one-dimensional he has at times shown uh that he can utilize his wrestling against guys with no ground game like brandon thatch you know he ended up taking him down and uh you know, winning that fight by submission. So he has at times mixed in a takedown here. And so he did get on top of Chagas uh, early and on, early on in that first round. But Chagas reversed him with a, a beautiful sweep. Chagas is a black belt. Nardiev isn't. So I don't think Nardiev's capable of doing anything, any things like that. He did get on top of Ren Counter a couple times. But man, I think that obviously Nardiev's probably gonna come a little more disciplined. He probably his head got a little big after the Tractor win. I mean, Tractor was on quite the streak before that. He was 21. The whole Austrian. And Wonder Boy thing, this and that. 
So you're saying the Austrian Wonder Boy stuff's a complete myth? Well, no, yeah, myth. that's a complete myth fraud. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's just now, the thing with Nardi, if his chin really hasn't been tested on this level too, you know, Tractor Bezeris really didn't throw any punches in that fight. And those fights before this, I mean, Sihar Brada this guy has a has a long, long, long history of knocking men unconscious at dog money, you know what I'm saying? So I'd be very, very careful. Yeah, you know, I slightly lean Nardier just because he is a little younger and, and CR's coming off a, a, a fight where he got took a lot of damage in, but I feel like Curtis Melender is a very far along striker in comparison to Nardiev. I mean, Nardiev, he's got some hard kicks, but chance run counter, Melender is just, way, a better, just a way better striker. I mean, it's just that. It's just facts. So I think that uh, it's a C CR or pass in, in terms of a betting uh, perspective, it's a matter of do you think that this 22-year-old kid is ready to swim with big grown men because he couldn't in his last fight and Tractor Bezeris, look, he's a 5'6 bloated, a 55er, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, who uh, quite frankly cheated in a lot of his fights, you know what I'm saying, so uh, I got Nardia, but I'd be very careful, I, I feel like this fight should uh, be, you know, minus 130 Nardia. There were a lot of sketchy moments in that Prezerish fight and that we've actually mentioned when we've broken down Nardiev's last fight where, you know, he rocked Prezerish on the feet and then he'd get taken down immediately after. And everyone would put so much stock into how he'd reverse uh, Prezerish on the mat. It's like, dude, Prezerish is out on his feet. He still <laughs> takes the kid down. Of course he got reversed. You know what I'm saying? Uh it's just one of those things we're here with Ciar Bahadurzada in that first round when uh when both guys are fresh, especially Ismail, because we've noticed if this shit goes past the first, uh, he tends He's to break. Uh, if he can't knock you out, if he if he lands a high kick clean on your face and you don't go down, all of a sudden uh, he ain't the Austrian wonder boy no more. Chance was making him make girl sounds. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where I really thought he was going to be a bigger favorite here because of the hype, but I'm glad to see that people realize that, you know, it's okay to admit that you were wrong on this kid. It's a, it's okay to realize that, you know, he's not a future world champion. The kid's talented, but he's he's young, he's green, he's immature. He's going to have to show me big improvements here with CR. I mean, let's talk about his last fight. Curtis Melender fucked him up to the point where CR was making terroristic threats inside the octagon. That's not even me joking around. Go look it up. Uh, Curtis said that CR was whispering in his ear, fuck America. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, if we, uh, if Ismail comes out here and high kicks this guy, don't be surprised if CR is making some more threats. But that being said, if CR can get past the first round, I really think he can break this kid. I've seen him break kids before. So I'm going to lean that way, man. I'm going to go with CR via third round finish. Next up in the middleweight division, we got Alessio Di Chirico. He's 12 and 3, and Mahmoud Muradov is 22 and 6. Currently, they got Mahmoud Muradov minus 150. The comeback on Alessio Di Chirico is plus 130. Initially, Alessio was supposed to fight Peter Sabata. That would have been an interesting fight, but now they called up Floyd Mayweather's first ever MMA signee. Mahmoud Muradov to take his spot and like I just said this is the first fighter that Floyd Mayweather has ever represented in MMA and he's a kid that's paid his dues I mean he started off his career he was he was basically a 500 fighter one fight above 500 he was five and four and since that point he's gone 22 and six so he's really been putting in work these last few years and I like the kid's style he fights with a lot of confidence he's got a lot of swag in there he's kind of funny too you know he'll uh he'll high five in the middle of a fight and for other people 
you know, I'm like, oh man, that's a big red flag because I kind of question their killer instinct and stuff like that. If they're high-fiving in there, like you remember Devante Kincaid Smith high-fiving with Kama Worthy. Two seconds later, he's out unconscious on the mat. They had to bring in the smelling salts. Well, here with Mahmoud Meridov, he has no problem pulling the trigger and landing that, that kill blow because I saw him high-five with one guy after landing a fly knee to the chin. Two seconds later, he lands an overhand right. And when I tell you that he had no issues landing those three extra follow-up shots, let me tell you right now, he dove in there like Dan Henderson. So this kid, Mahmoud Meridov, even though he's got that sense of humor about his fighting, he's definitely a killer in there. And he's very experienced, had a lot more fights. He's had more wins than Alessio has had total fights. So he's coming in here very seasoned. And the kid's well-rounded too. I've seen him take guys down. I've seen him defend takedowns. I've seen him knock guys out. So he's well-rounded. And with Alessio DiCarico, He's what you'd consider an average fighter at the UFC level. You know, he's a mid-tier UFC middleweight. He's solid, man. He's decent everywhere. Doesn't doesn't blow anyone out the water. It's more so, you know, he'll go to split with Gareth McClellan. He'll go to split with uh, Julian Marquez. He won't finish Boyan Belikovic. He won't finish Eric Spicely. So I've kind of seen what happens when Alessio fights other mid-tier guys, and He's not blowing them out the water like you expect him to, so I don't think he's going to impress people here. I know that he opened the favorite. I know the line flipped, and oftentimes that's a sketchy situation, but I actually think this is going to be one of the rare exceptions where they were in the right on the line flip, and I'm going to go with the newcomer here. to. Uh, I was going to say upset, but now he's the favorite. I'm going to go with the newcomer here to defeat Alessio DiCarico via decision. Maradov, you know, uh, is coming in here with a lot of hype. A bookie, uh, even with that hype, bookie makers open Alessio DiCarico a, a, a a sizable favorite uh, against this guy. You know they got uh oh no man, I thought that was Fizia on Nardia's picture. But <laughs> you know <laughs> it, it is. Like <laughs> but uh you know I feel like Mark Marunov, all the things that he's done on the local scene are very nice and it seems like he's got the the, the right team and the right following behind him. But you know the UFC's a, a different level and you know we can sit here and say mid tier this and that but in my experience is anytime you get these guys that have been going uh, against guys like uh Kevin Holland, you know who's three and one, four and one in the at the UFC level and you know, we he, he lost that fight, but it was a very close fight. Just the the way you gotta think on the fly in the UFC, this guy's done it a bunch of times against big power hitters like Julian Marquez. I feel like this is nothing he hasn't seen before. I feel like Mahmoud's being overvalued in the spot, and I'll take Alessio DiCirico by decision. Next up in the middleweight division, we got Alan Amadovsky. He's eight and one. And John Phillips, 21-9. Currently, they got Alan Amadovsky, minus 125. The comeback on John, the Welsh wrecking machine, Phillips, is plus 105. So, Shaq, it opened minus 190, Alan Amadovsky. A lot of action has been coming on John Phillips. Now it's close to a pick em with a slight lean on Alan Amadovsky. You agree with that slight lean on Amadovsky, or do you think he actually should have been a bigger favorite like he initially opened? Well, uh, this fight's really interesting because, you know, I bet on Phillips. I, I felt like he uh, won his last fight against Martian, but he only has himself to blame. It just shows you that this guy is what I like to call just not good business. You know what I'm saying? This guy, you know what his record is when fights go out of the first round? Over. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, Alan Amadowski, even though I'm not too high on him, I've seen uh, SBG guys take his back, but he's not fighting a grappler. He's fighting a one-dimensional power puncher with no ground game at all. So, you know, uh, Charles Bird finished this guy in the first round. This guy is not good business, although I think he hits very hard, but he's very slow. He's very plotty. He had his opportunity to knock Jack Marshman out. I think Amadowski probably got a big wake-up call in that Jocko fight. He Got a, a, a good taste of what the top 15's like, and now I'm sure he's going to come back, come a lot better. 
I think all he has to do is get out the first round, and this guy will beat himself. So I got uh, Alan Amadowski by, I'll take, I'll say decision. It's an interesting fight, man, because the way I see this fight is I, I view it as two strikers trying to stand and bang until one man falls. And I know there's this argument of Alan Amadovsky either extending the fight or taking it down to the mat, which he could totally do. But the thing is, when I watched Alan Amadovsky's regional fights, it was the ground that also gave him a lot of problems, you know. And even though he was over, he was able to overcome some bad spots, which is one thing we can't say about John Phillips, man, because if he gets his back taken, chances are uh, he will be tapping that mat shortly after. Even though I got to give him credit, he did escape a couple things against uh, Kevin Holland, ultimately succumbed to the submission. So, you know, at least he's... At least he's extending it to the third round nowadays, right, Shaq? Instead of getting finished in that first, like, against Charles Bird. So, I mean, you could say it's an improvement or not, but the bottom line is here against Alan Amadowski, I just think it's a step down in competition. And I think that Alan's going to give him the kind of fight he wants. Like, this is where I could be totally wrong because Alan could come out here with some grappling game plan that I personally haven't seen from him before. You know, all the times I've seen him on the mat, he's been dominated and either – it stayed there, or he's been able to reverse things and then win from there. But it's never been because he initiated the grappling. So here, if he comes out there and does that, that'd be a smart thing to do. But man, I got to base it off what I've seen. I think he's going to stand and bang with John Phillips. I think someone's going to hit the deck. I got John Phillips via first-round knockout. Next up in the welterweight division, we got Alex Cowboy Oliveira. He's 20-7. and seven, And Nicholas Dalby is 17-3. and three. Currently, they got Alex Cowboy Oliveira minus 145. The comeback on Nicholas Dalby is plus 125. Shaq, it opened minus 185. Alex Cowboy Oliveira, now it's minus 145. And what's so interesting to me about this fight is that if you just look at their career trajectories on paper, don't even go back and watch fights, you see that, well, since Dalby got cut from the UFC, he's gone on to win a few fights, got that call back, even fought for that Cage Warriors belt and won it again. So he's a two-time Cage Warriors world champion. You know, he won the belt on his, you know, before his first UFC stint, got cut from the UFC, won it again. So at least he was able to recapture gold in Cage Warriors. But now it's a uh, welcome back to the UFC, my friend. And with Alex Oliveira, he has been falling on some hard times, but you got to consider that the guys he's been losing to are all world-class guys. Uh, Gunny Nelson, who's ranked in the top 15. Mike Perry, who's perennial top 20. And uh, who, who's the other guy? And Yancey Medeiros, who uh, is a tough Hawaiian. Isn't ranked, but is a tough Hawaiian. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look, I think that all those guys would give uh, Nick Dalby a lot, of a lot of trouble, too. What Nick Dalby is known for is that he's a very, very tough guy. You know, if you watch that fight with Darren Till, he's getting mollywopped all over the place for the first two rounds. But in that third round, Darren Till's shoulder popped out, and that was all that Dalby needed to go out there and get a 10-8 and make that fight a draw. So... If you show a little bit of weakness against a guy like Dalby, if you're huffing and puffing, if you refuse to throw back, the guy's going to come out there with head kicks. He's going to try to grind you. He's going to try to put it on you. He's got a karate background. They used to call him the sharpshooter. So he's a very experienced guy. It's just that when we're talking about the athleticism here between Alex Cowboy and Nick Dalby, it's night and day, man. Alex Cowboy is a real athlete. Alex Cowboy is a bruiser. Alex Cowboy is one of the most physical guys and one of the hardest hitters in the UFC, I'm gonna say pound for pound. You know what I'm saying? Cause uh, I think that when this guy hits people, they they got a certain look on their face. Even when they kick him, it hurts you to kick the guy. The guy's made out of steel, so it's one of those things where you gotta make him. You gotta make him start to bleed. You gotta make him start to breathe hard. You gotta extend the fight. But even with that being said, people act like, oh, if you just get past the first round with Alex Oliveira. That's all it's going to take for Dalby to win this fight. And it's like, well, did you watch that Perry fight where he's still slinging leather in that third round hard? 
Even the Yancey Medeiros fight, they're both dropping each other back and forth. Nick Dalby gets dropped every single fight, so I think he's going to get dropped here too. The only difference is I think that Alex Oliveira hits a lot harder than these guys like Carlo Pedersali, who have been getting, who have been dropping Nick Dalby and you know all these other guys. Peter Sabato. Look, I, I got Alex Oliveira here via first round knockout. I think that even if this does go past the first round, I, I don't just automatically think that Alex is just going to shut down because he had a couple tough fights with some you know top twenty guys in the world. I think that Dalby is going 50-50 with cans on the regional scene and. I respect Dalby. Nice guy. I got Alex Oliveira here by knockout. Alex Oliveira has fought, you know, considerably the higher level competition. Like you said, I feel like people are misconstruing him being quote unquote done. You know, I feel like, you know, he might be done in terms of the top 15 sense of the word. But now you give him a matchup against a guy, like you said, who, you know, even though he's got the 17 and 3 record, let's be honest, guys. This guy's a journeyman. And look, he uh, he got cut from the UFC the first time. He lost to Carlo Pedersa. And he picked up a, a win against you know two uh, regional guys. What were their records? Like seven and zero, eight and zero. One was seventeen and three, but he was also French. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, I feel like Dalby, he's a very good fighter, a very smart fighter. I actually think he's a smarter fighter than Alex uh, Oliveira in terms of just he has more reason behind his fighting. You know, he knows how to switch stands nicely. You know, he can, he's got uh, good grappling. Though the issue with him has always been his chin. And I'll tell you what, if Alex got boy, you know, those strange punches that he throws, they're landing on Mike Perry. They're hurting Yancey Medeiros all over the place. I know Dalby's known for his tough chin. But he hasn't been hit like this in a while, you know. I know that Carlo Pedersali, you know, his first UFC sin, he did fight Elizu. He got through that. But things are a little bit different now in the second stint. He's a lot more older. You know, I'm happy to see him back in the UFC because I do think he can win a fight or two. But I just think this is a little bit too much of a task for him. You know, Alex Cowboy, this is a big... You saw what happened when he took his first step down against Carlo, Setter, Carlo Pedersali. I mean, he uh, had the fight with Carlos Conner. And the thing with my thing with Alex is, you know, when you're thinking about... The betting perspective in this fight, he is somewhat of a slight favorite. You know, personally, I do think he could end up. I feel like if, uh, you know, he didn't have all these personal things going on outside the cage, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but I feel like he might even be a higher favorite. We've seen him in spots against a guy that beat Nick Dobby where he was minus 330 and knocked him out in 30 seconds. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like there's a big difference in guys like Mike Perry and Nick Dalby, or Gunnar Nelson and and Nicholas Dalby, you know what I'm saying? Gunnar Nelson just wins a split with, I don't know how it was a split, but hey, he went to a split with Leon Edwards, who's top, you know, three, four in the world, so I think this is what we call, there's levels to this, you know, I don't think Dalby is on that level, so I got Alex Cowboy by knockout, but look, at the same time, from a betting perspective, Alex has been somewhat pulling what we like to call stunts. He is what we like to refer to as a stunt puller. And what I mean by that is what happened in the Gunnar Nelson fight when he was absolutely smashing Gunnar Nelson. I mean, he, you know, he did rever uh, reverse him. He, when Gunnar took his back, he, he turned in and he got on top. And, you know, next thing you know, he's smashing him. And then two seconds later, he's on his back. And you're uh, like, you're like, wait, uh, Alex, no. Like, <laughs> what about the Condit fight when early on in that fight, uh, he gets on top of Condit and he lets, he lets, uh, he's got, uh, Carlos shoved up against the, uh, fence. And next thing you know, you let Carlos reverse you and now we're on our, and now he's got our back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, those are what we call big no-nos, you know? So 
if that happens, if he happens to do that here, you know, you have no one, no one to blame. He has been, he has been showing a pattern of what the fuck Alex know. Like, so it is a little sketchy, but I do think he knocks Dolby out at some point. Next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Ovince St. Pru. He's 23 and 13. And Mikal Lord Oleksaychuk is 14 and 2. Currently, they got Mikal Lord Oleksaychuk minus 210. The comeback on Ovince St. Pru is plus 175. Well, Shaka, you know, we're fans of OSP. Actually, I've seen him fight live a bunch of times. Very exciting guy. Been a perennial top 15 guy in the light heavyweight division for the longest time. And with Mikhail Oleksaychuk, we've been high on him as well, man. We told everyone not to parlay Khalil at minus five-something odds. And then we even took Mikhail in his next fight against John Vellante. And then his fight after that, he knocked out Antigulov in under a minute. Do you think he gets the biggest win, the most high-profile win of his career here against the, the perennial top 10, Ovin St. Preux? Yeah, Ovin St. Preux, like you said, a perennial top 10 guy. I mean, he's been a part of that 205 division for the longest time. And I've been on the record to say that uh, he's one of the most, uh, you know, exciting 205ers of all time. I mean, the guys, you know, how, how many uh, Von Flu chokes, Kimura against Tyson Pedro. I mean, uh, the Shogun knockout. I mean, the guy had a very good run, unfortunately, I just think that run is probably going to come to an end here when you consider the type of damage that he's been taking in these fights recently. And it seems that, you know, he kind of had that little stretch where, you know, he had the three-fight losing streak uh, to Jones, Volkan, and Jimmy Manuel, you know, that stretch. And then he was able to get the two wins against Yushin Okami and Corey Anderson and De Lima. Had that fight with Latifi. It was a big showdown. And we saw how that fight went. He got finished. And it just seems like things have kind of just gone completely down the drain since then. Even though he had that win against Tyson Pedro, I mean, he got floored on early in that fight. That's when you started to see, okay, now maybe his chin really is starting to just completely go to shits. He got floored in that fight. But Tyson Pedro, he's not the caliber of fighter that uh, these top guys like Lord McCall and Johnny Walker and, and Ratchet are. You know, he's not that level of prospect in my opinion. And uh, Tyson Pedro decided to try to take him down and he ended up getting a, you know, <laughs> uh, it was like a wizard position and then he just went to his back and Ovince was able to pull off one of his patent submission moves, man. And then uh, his fights after that against a, another very fundamental kind of a point fighter, uh, Dominic Reyes. I mean, we saw how that fight went. You know, he really didn't let his hands go at all. Just seems like he's more trying to get the takedowns these days, trying to get this fight to the mat. And then his last fight against Nikita Krylov in the ATL, he was able to actually take Nikita down uh, and he had him full mounted. But then there's the sloppiness and all his techniques. And, you know, it just seems like uh, we're not dealing with the same guy that even the guy that was, you know, he just he's still that guy was still spotty, guys. Like, let's not forget that guy was still spotty. He would just pull off the occasional Von Flu choke that we never seen, you know. So uh, I feel like like OSP had a very good run, but now I feel like he's running into big problems at 205. Lord me call Olechechek, although he hasn't fought anyone uh, with this name value, he has been in there with guys that, uh, you know, come from OSP's era like John Volante, and I mean, he handled them very accordingly. I, I recall John Volante taking a knee in less than a minute 30, or if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, call he's a I w he's definitely, I, I guess you could say he's an undersized, a more undersized 205er, but what he has that uh, a lot of 205ers don't have is that pace and that footwork and that speed, that head movement. You know, he's got the Euro style, kind of, just kind of, his preparation kind of reminds me of guys like Hermanson and Ratchik. You know, he comes very prepared. You saw the Antigua fight. He was lying minus 200 in that fight, and a lot of people were saying, man, that line's a little too wide. This kid's an 85er. I know Antigua lost to Kudalaba, but 
but man, he's got 20 submissions on his record. And I mean, there was no better way to handle a guy like that. I mean, he knew where Antigolov was going to be at all time through those shots up the middle. I feel like this guy, Mikhail uh, Olechechek, is wise beyond his age. I feel like he comes out here, puts a pace on uh, oh, Vince, it's pretty much the same scenario in all his fights. If he, as long as he doesn't eat the big shot, I think like uh, he'll be fine. And I feel like his body punching, his pace, and the fact that oh, Vince's chin is, I mean, he, you know, now he's getting hit and now he's completely turning away. You know, at first he would just get knocked out, but when you get knocked out and submitted at the same time, plus the Dominic Reyes fight, plus the Nikita fight, plus the prior ass opens, I think that this is a perfect spot for Lord McCall. And I think he comes out here and gets it done in the first round. Man, I'm a big fan of Ovin St. Pru. He's a very exciting guy, 205 pounds, and one of the original light heavyweights that came from the Strike Force merge. So it's it's been really sick to watch him in his career. And the thing about it with Ovin St. Pru is that even in his prime, he was never really known for being the most technical guy or this or that. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't out here blowing people away with how precise his jab is or, you know, how, uh, or the timing of his takedown or any shit like that. It was more so the guy is so damn athletic and he's so funky in there that he would get all kinds of off the wall shit that you've never seen before, like those three Von Flew chokes, the knockouts that came out of nowhere. He had a couple other submissions, like the Ryan Gimo one, which were very, very. Like, you'd never seen anything like that before. You'd never seen guys tap to, to shit like that. So, man, Ovince definitely had his time, and we got to tip our caps. Very exciting guy, like I said. Also a very nice person. We've seen him at the NFC events. Definitely liked the guy a lot. But as far as Lord Mikhail Olegzecha goes, I love this kid. This is one of my favorite prospects at 205 pounds. And you're right there with Johnny Walker and Alexander Rakic, man. He's definitely the real deal. And what I like about him is that everyone criticizes him for being undersized for the weight class but i actually praise him for it because that allows him to be the faster man in there that allows him to go out there with that european footwork and he really confuses guys with all that footwork with those feints and the kind of pace that he pushes on guys they just simply can't maintain so basically for o vince to win this fight he needs to knock out mikhail olegzechuk in the early going he needs to get on top of him and try to submit him right away because if he doesn't do that historically you know o vince tends to gas you gas on a guy like mikhail olegzechuk and the fight will be over shortly after because, you know, normally I talk about how, oh, you gas on a guy like this, he will tee off on you. Yes, he will tee off on you. But the thing is, if you're gassed with him, you might not even give him a chance to tee off on you because he might just hit you one time in the body and you go down. So I think that when Ovin starts to gas, when that first round knockout or the first round sub doesn't work out, he will get teed off on in a way where it's either going to, he's either going to have to take a knee or he will get laid out. So I don't think that Ovin's getting on top of McCall is the end of the world at all. I think McCall actually has some very underrated grappling. If you go back to that Khalil fight and you know he had very nice offensive takedowns very nice top control which I actually think he could use here as well if this turns into a war but the reason I'm bringing that up is because the whole argument is well what if Ovince gets on top of him I think if Ovince gets on top of him I think he survives I mean Ovince was on top of Nikita Krylov and in the past Ovince finished Nikita Krylov when he was in that position well this time he had Nikita dead to rights and he lets Nikita back up and gets finished shortly after so I just don't think Ovince um uh, has it anymore like he used to, to to put it bluntly man so i'm gonna go with uh mikhail oleg zaychuk via devastating finish here now also in the light heavyweight division we got jan kuteleba he's 15 and 4 and khalil roundtree is 8 and 3 
Currently, they got Khalil Roundtree minus 125. The comeback on Jan Kuteleba is plus 105. Well, Shaq, uh, Khalil Roundtree really impressed a lot of people with his fight against Eric Anders. And actually, if you go back and you listen to our breakdown in that fight, we said from the jump that that was actually a really bad matchup for Eric Anders. We said Khalil was going to be way too fast for him. It turns out that was the case. Here with Jan Kuteleba, historically speaking, similar to Khalil, he struggled with guys that take him down to the mat. We haven't seen too many people rough him up on the feet, except for that one time when he gassed out against Jared Cannonier, got teed off on in the second and third rounds but you could say a similar thing about Khalil when uh, about Khalil when he fought uh, Mikhail Oleg you know so interestingly enough for the most part these guys lose on the map but we have seen them lose on the feet when they gas out I have a feeling these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls I know Jan's got that Greco-Roman wrestling background but they've, they've been hyping up that wrestling background for years I haven't seen them use it once so uh I think they're going to stand and bang. My question for you, man, is uh, are, is someone going to fall or is this going to go the three-round distance? Yeah, you know, I feel like, uh, like you said, his fight over Eric, the performance was very good. But Eric Anders, very good fighter. But Jan Kudelab is a lot faster, a lot power, a lot more powerful, a lot more looser. And, you know, even though Jan lost his last fight to Glover Teixeira, I actually thought he looked the best he ever has uh, on the feet there for a while, man. You know, I feel like Glover Teixeira is a dog. And Glover Teixeira is still out here beating cats that are 15, 16 years younger than him, man. So still. Still to this day like to this day so Glover Teixeira is a very underrated I feel like that loss no shame in that I felt like he looked the best he ever has and Glover Teixeira gets on top of you man don't be shocked when he uh submits you now Khalil Roundtree looked good but I feel like man, a little pe people are jumping the gun a little bit too much you know I feel like he is making improvements I did say going into the Eric Anders fight that even though he's taken a couple losses at least he's making improvements in his grappling but this fight is going to be about you know like you said who has the better chin who can uh, react to the shots better if anyone gonna shoot it's gonna be Kudalaba you know because look if they get into a firefight and shit hits the fan and it's easy for guys like you know I'm not saying guys like Khalil just because I feel like his ground game has improved I mean he's been training with the Hickman bros in Thailand so I, I do expect that I, I do expect him to not be able to get tapped out or just laid on for, you know, significant periods of time. But I still do think Jan Kudalaba is more advanced in that area. It's going to be a really good fight. It's going to be a really good fight. I feel like Khalil is a just slightly better standard, but I would not be shocked if Jan caught him on the chin either. I mean, I feel like both guys can knock each other out. This fight should be a pick em, So I feel like if you bet Khalil at minus money, is kind of jumping the gun a little bit too soon. And, you know, if you write in Kudalaba, Kudalaba's still not even, how old is Kudalaba, like 25? <laughs> like, this guy is still, like, you keep letting, even though he's still shaky here and there, you let, let these young kids, like, cry. What do you think will happen if Khalil fought Glover and it exactly. hit the <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you keep giving these young kids, even though he's still shaky, still spotty, you keep giving a young kid like him more experiences against guys like Glover Teixeira and Antigolov. One of these days, he's going to figure things out, and he's going to get a lot better. So I wouldn't sleep on that. So I'm going to go with Jan Kudalaba, actually. And a, and a little upset. Yeah, and I don't think that's a bad pick at all, man, because, again, we said going into that Eric Anders fight that there was a significant speed difference. Now, I'm not saying that he's not faster than Jan, but the speed difference is not as significant as it was in the Eric Anders fight. I'm just letting you all know that right here, right now on Half the Battle. So it could be a very interesting fight that could go either way. And it's one of those things where, again, like I kind of alluded to earlier, people are kind of talking about this Jan Kuteleba, Greco-Roman wrestling background. How long have I been hearing that for? And I'm not discrediting his wrestling background. It just hasn't really translated into MMA. And that and that's just the bottom line. I'd like to see it. The kid's young. Maybe now we're going to... Those were the circuit of and to share. Yeah, you know... Uh... <laughs> and the thing is, I thought he was going to win both of those fights. So it's one of those things now against uh, Khalil Roundtree... Is the speed 
difference going to be that big where, you know, Khalil can counter him with something clean along the way? I honestly don't know, man. I think this fight should be a pick so the value is on Jan Kuteleba here in this spot, but I'm a slightly lean with Khalil here, man. I think he can catch him with something clean along the way, but I wouldn't go too big on this unless you have a serious read here, but I, I see this being a very exciting 50-50 fight. May the best man win. Next up in the welterweight division, we got Gunner Gunny Nelson. He's 17-4, and, and Gilbert Dorinho Burns is 16-3. and three. Currently, they got Gilbert Dorinho Burns, minus 135. The comeback on Gunny Nelson is plus 115. Well, Shag, this is the second fight that Gilbert Dorinho has taken on short notice at welterweight. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, welterweight, lightweight, no matter the weight, Gilbert Dorinho has been in his best form of his career yet. So far, man, he's been looking the best he's ever looked in all areas of the game. I know in the past we've questioned his striking defense, his cardio. Seems like both those things have been patched up a little bit. And with Gunny Nelson, I know we've had our questions about him too. But, man, uh, the toughness was on full display in that Alex Cowboy fight, even in that Leon fight. Got floored in the second round, full mounts him in the third. So I think even Gunny is developing. Now my question here is, Who's going to get this big win on 170, man? Both guys are black belts. Both guys got knockout power. Very exciting fight. Who takes it? Like I said about Khalil's performance against Eric Anders, that people could possibly be jumping the gun. People could possibly be jumping the gun on Gilbert Burns a little bit at 170. Yeah, you know, his fight against Kunchenko, who was undefeated, never lost. But Kunchenko uh, is not as loose as Gunnar Nelson. He's not as fast as Gunnar Nelson. His boxing is not as good. I mean, he's a, he's a good fighter, but just... A Russian slow old man, you know, a coaster. So Gilbert Burns was able to utilize his calf kicks very well in that in those first two rounds. But you did see him gas out in that third round. He did take the fight on short notice. He's taking this fight on short notice as well. I have been having a little speculations while he was at 55 that you know he is getting better, man. If he moved up a weight class, maybe things would go good. And it, and it seems like that might be the case. It's just Gunnar Nelson. I feel like he's one of those guys that's a hard guy to get a real good read on because he's like this guy. You know, I remember back in the day when we all bet I know everyone out there bet on Tumenov to to knock him out and we we all said that Tumenov was gonna mop the floor with him and this and that and next thing you know Gunny was on his back strangling him unconscious you know what I'm saying and you know when you get a, a you know these fights like uh Leon Edwards no no offense Leon Edwards great fighters uh Damian Maya no offense great fighter but those guys like to you know hug and control and you know Gunner I feel like he's low-key one of those guys where if a guy actually tries to fight him him, fight him like Alex Cowboy then you know you see him kind of have better success and Gilbert Burns you know he likes to back up into that fence and throw that big looping uh right overhand and man when that lands he might put you out unconscious so Gunner's gonna have to watch out for that he's been dropped several times before just like the Leon Edwards fight just like the Rick Story fight back in the day just like uh the Ponzinibbio fight in which he got stiffened in the first round uh you know you you can't uh you can't eye poke a chin you know what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) you can't eye poke a chin but uh I think that Gunnar Nelson is one of those guys where he he could be I don't want to say undervalued, but just underrated in a spot like this. Just because he lost to Leon. Look, Leon Edwards is top five. You know, Gilbert Burns still has a ways to go before he can reach that level, in my opinion. I feel like the kid's got a lot of potential. So I do slightly lean him here. But from a betting perspective, I feel like it's dog or pass just because Gunner is the more proven guy at 170. You know, I know this kid's coming up in weight. I know he's new to the division. Big hitter serious black belt but we've seen him get taken down in the past too and controlled i wouldn't be shocked if gunny was able to held, hold his own with him i mean on the mat i mean gunny is a serious black belt too man so it could pot- potentially be a lot closer fight than people are thinking but i'll go with burns but it's not a very confident pick 
We have seen Burns held down, but we've seen Gunny held down, too. I know you remember that Damian Maya fight. Yeah, it is Damian. But, I mean, Gilbert Burns is a second-degree black belt, too, so it's not like a, it's not like he's some slouch if, if he takes your back, either. But, man, honestly, though, on the feet, I think that Gunny's actually going to have some success here while he's fresh, especially. While Gunny's fresh, he's serious, man, and uh, he does kind of have that, you know, McGregor style. And I, I know... Uh, Back when he fought Tumenov, he was on Connor's Flintstone vitamins, and you see his physique in that fight. He ain't, he ain't looked like that since, but at least he, uh, at least he's still going out here and winning fights, man. But if he can get back on whatever he was taking before that Tumenov fight, holy shit, because that guy was. Because I remember before the Tumenov fight, we were saying this guy could make 155. Man, that Tumenov performance looked incredible, but his physique ain't looked like that since. But at least he can still win fights. But here in the early going. I do kind of like the the straight lefts of Gunny to hit the face of Gilbert Burns to kind of catch him before those overhands catch Gunny. So I do think in the early going, Gunny might drop him. Gunny might take him down. Gunny might do all these things. But the thing is, man, Gunny tends to gas out a little bit. And I do think that when they tie up, Gilbert Dorino can get the better of the exchanges for sure. I think he's a better black belt than uh, Gunny Nelson. And we've seen Gunny succumb to those bad positions. Kavanaugh's a uh, fake black belt? his black belt in a cereal box uh, saying Kavanaugh went to the supermarket put 25 cents in the machine and got his black belt but uh I'm just kidding but uh like as far as his matchup is concerned it's really hard to call I think the early going favors Gunny Nelson I think he can get a first round finish but if he doesn't I will kind of edge uh, Gilbert Burns to get the second and third rounds, even though he took this fight on short notice. It's just that I'm, I have noticed man that when Gunny lets it all go in that first round and he can't get you out you know he'll 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 do the huff and puff man he'll do the walking mummy too so and all of a sudden his you know explosive dynamic cobra karate style don't work no more so we'll see what happens but uh it's a tough pick it's a tough pick i think it's a dogger pass situation i'm gonna lean gilbert Dorino, but just just proceed with caution is all i gotta say co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division we got mark o madsen he's eight and oh and danilo belwardo is 12 and four now i keep wanting to call the guy mike madsen like the movie director but it's mark madsen look he's the danish silver medalist olympian in wrestling no joke 2016 in the rio de janeiro games this dude won the silver medal in wrestling and when you watch his MMA fights, I mean, he picks guys up over his head, slams them down on the mat, and uh, lands uh, some serious ground upon some hammer fists. Granted, he has been fighting, you know, a bunch of you-know-whats, but guess what? He's fighting one of those guys now. He's fighting a guy in Danilo Belwardo, where when we were watching his, his footage for his last fight, man, I was like, dude, that's some of the scariest knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I got sent to the fifth dimension on his regional fights, and... UFC debut got reversed by Joel Alvarez. You know what's going to happen when this fight hits the mat? It will be over shortly after. But honestly, if Mark wants to stand with this guy, touch his chin on the feet, that works too. But what I really think is going to happen, he's going to pick him up. He might even throw him out the cage. But if he doesn't throw him out the cage, he's going to throw him on the cage. And when the kid hits the ground, it's going to be hammer fist to the chin. I got Mark Madsen to be a first round knockout. I know a lot of people are questioning why this is the co main event. It's in Copenhagen, Denmark. This kid's the Danish uh, silver medalist Olympian. He's probably very popular over there from what it seems like he's like a hometown hero that's why he's the co-main event and he's gonna get a devastating finish too so you enjoy know, the, it the greatest denmark uh, fighter of all time shout out to my boy martin kim and you know he was uh he was the, the original guy, danish the original dane guy but uh you know it's unfortunate he, he's gonna be in his corner right I don't know. Yeah, I think Martin, I know he was on Ariel's show. Martin Cam is going to be in his corner. Okay, so yeah. My boy Cam and uh, so now he's definitely going <laughs> to But now, like you said, Bellardo, I mean, if you guys go back and watch some of his fights, he had a bad stretch and a, a, some KO losses. One of them was AJ McKee a couple 
to some eight and two guys. Man, there was somewhere it was scary. Just put it that way. I mean, look, there, he got up and he he fell over and they face first and doctors were running in there to <laughs> try to. I mean, it was scary. It was beyond the smelling salts. Yeah, it was they had to bring out the stretcher. <laughs> it was beyond smelling salts, and it seems like he picked himself back up very nicely before his UFC debut. But then his UFC debut, we saw how that fight was. It seemed like he got the takedown early. He fought a guy with very shitty takedown defense in Alvarez. But then the second Alvarez fought back and pushed him even a little bit, he reversed him, fully mounted him, and he was face first again. So I feel that uh, Mark Manson is a tailor-made fight to come out here. Pretty much just uh, mixed in with the crowd, come in here and overwhelm him and take him down and use your Olympic wrestling. If you can make the, the Olympics for wrestling and win a silver medal, you'll beat Danilo Bilardo. So. Main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we got Jack the Joker Hermanson. He's 20-4, and four, and Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer is 12-4. and four. So 20-4 and four versus 12-4. and four. Currently, they got Jack Hermanson minus 240. The comeback on Jared Cannoneer is plus 200. Well, Shaq, the days of getting the, those good dog odds on Jack Hermanson or even a pick em price are long gone. Now he's the sizable favorite he should be. So my, my question here is, obviously we've been high on this guy for the longest time. Is he going to take care of Biz like he's supposed to? Or is this actually, is he taking the wrong, is he taking a dangerous fight here? And could he be in for an upset? I mean, one could call this a risky fight. I mean, he did beat Jacare, but they're still trying to build him up a name, you know, so they gave him that risky fight on the Euro market. And, and uh, we'll see how he does. Because the only, the reason why I say risky, I'm just terrified of the calf kicks. Like, I think his calf kicks are like that scary, bro. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I feel like one of those things could fucking immobilize a leg to a point you know what i'm saying <laughs> like so i feel like jack needs to come out here and do, do what he does and that's come out here with the herky-jerky footwork having uh his opponents a little bit confused like yo why is this little uh, scandinavian you know charging at me like this you know what i'm saying grab a hold of this and uh capitalize on that 40 something percent takedown defense we know cannon air it, it's definitely his takedown defense has definitely gotten better but, you know, it's still not to the level. We're talking about Jack in here, the number one ground and pounder in the world. I mean, we're not joking about this, guys. I mean, he's finished how many people with ground and pound, and then now he's added this new guillotine. And there's a guarantee that if he puts Cannonier in that, Cannonier is tapping the mat. So I think it's more likely probably going to go that way. I think Jack is probably going to finish him in that first round. But I'd be lying if I said that... Uh, if he can't submit him, that I wouldn't be nervous. Cannonier is very, very imposing. He hits like a truck. He's huge for 85. The guy is strong. But Jack Hermanson, in my opinion, is on a different level. His ground game is on a different level. I feel like we're uh, dealing with a guy that's uh, one of the best specialists in the sport when it comes to wrestling. I mean, guys, this guy, Jack, loves wrestling so much. If you goes, guys go to his Instagram, bro, these guys, him and his friends, like, wrestle for fun. Like, they, they wrestle in hotel rooms. Like, <laughs> they playing with clothes on. Like, they just love to grapple, man. Like... They, they, that's what wearing jeans and shoes. <laughs> they just wrestle for fun. Like they get to the hotel and they start wrestling, bro. So Jack is just a specialist when it comes to that, and I feel like that will carry him to victory. And this is a, a big fight because if he can win this fight, man. You know, in my opinion, the way I got it stacked up in terms of contenders, I know we got the Till and Gasolin fight coming, which is a, a big fight. But after uh, Izzy Rob, of course, and then you got Paolo waiting in line. You know. I feel like Hermanson's right in the talk after that, so I'm not saying I put him in there with Paolo, you know what I'm saying, but uh, I feel like he's top, solidifies a top five spot. With he team. might not have a choice. But the thing with this fight is, 
The reason that it was kind of sketchy when it first got announced was just because, you know, he'd been fighting David Branch, who, I mean, if, uh, you know, that's all I got to say, and the Jacare fight where, you know, we're out here making a case for Hermanson when he was a huge underdog. But those are two old men on the tail end of their career. Uh, Jared Cannonier is, he's not young and fresh, but he's at least in his prime, uh, making developments every single time we see him fight. And he's a very scary guy. But... You know, that's, that's why it's a risky fight. But that being said, you could also view it as a reward to Jack Hermanson because you took that fight with, with Dave Branch. You took that short notice headlining spot against uh, Jacare. Well, now we're coming to Copenhagen, Denmark for the very first time in UFC history. We want you to headline the card. And we're not going to give you, you know, some guy that, uh, you know, we're not going to give you Boracina or anything like that. Go out here and finish a guy with 44% takedown defense in the main event in Denmark. And uh, I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to build up a big star here. I think that Jack Hermanson's name is going to get taken to that next level. We are going to talk about him fighting the Boracinas, the Israel Adesanyas, the Robert Whitakers, the Kelvin Gastelums after this fight. I think he goes out here, like you said, starts off with those feints, with that movement. Now, the thing about Jared Cannonier, man, is when he starts getting off on those kicks, you got to be careful. But uh, if Jack uh, does what he's supposed to do, gets him biting on those fans that mixes in that body lock gets him down on the mat it will be over shortly after i'm gonna go with jack hermanson via ground and pound tko and now we got to hit up kyle marley for the big marley minute and joining us now on the big marley minute is big marley himself kyle it's going down this saturday in denmark how's it going man hey not too bad uh ready for the end of the week we got a 11 a.m card so get to wake up and sweat some fights excited for that Got 25K to first, and then I also got a max bet this week, so looking forward to it. So in the main event, you got Jack Hermanson taking on Jared Cannonier, two of the rising stars now in the middleweight division, or at least emerging contenders. The thing with this fight from a DraftKings perspective, man, is I highly doubt you're going to be stacking this fight because someone most likely is getting a finish here. The question is, which side do you lean and how much are you going to have of both? So I'm going to lean towards Hermanson here, and I'm probably going to have a good bit of him in GPPs. I just think he has so many more ways to win, uh, and he can win early, you know, get a takedown, get some advances, a whole bunch of ground and pound. He scored like 140 points against Mearshart, so I love the ceiling on him. Um, and since I am planning on going heavier than the field on him, I'm not against stacking the fight in cash just to kind of get a little hedge there. And it locks in the win, locks in 100-plus points. So I'm not against the stack. I'm rarely against the stack, really, for a five-round fight. Uh, but I do think you can get away from it this week if you want and go Hermanson solo just because Canyoneer's only path to victory here is going to be a knockout. Um, and if he gets it, it's probably round one or round two. And for that reason, we want to throw him into some GPP lineup. So I'm probably thinking, you know, 70% Hermanson, 60%. Uh, and I'll go, I'll go a little higher than 60, so like 65 to 70% Hermanson in GPPs. And then I am going to throw the rest on Canyoneer, so it would be you know 35 30% on him as well, just to have some exposure in case that round one knockout does happen. Uh, I just think Jack has so many more ways to win. He's a way better fighter, and I think he does look for takedowns early and often. So he's one of my favorite plays on the slate, um, and he'll probably be the guy I have the most exposure to um all around on DraftKings. isn't it cool seeing a, a guy like hermanson uh, in back-to-back -back main events after that kind of come up i mean he definitely deserves it after that jock ray fight i was so impressed after that fight that i mean it's it's a big step down here for ken really so yeah it's uh definitely good for him that he's getting another main event spot but <laughs> this is like Kenyon Nears highlight right here um so hopefully he's not overlooking him 
Yeah, for sure. That'd be a bad idea, especially with a guy as dangerous as a cannoneer. But man, in the in the co-main event, you got the Danish silver medal Olympian, Mark Madsen. He's taking on Belwardo. So basically, basically the question here is, is he going to come out here and knock this guy out in the first round? Or is it going to be three rounds of takedowns, rinse and repeat? Which way you lean him? I think he probably does finish him, you know, probably first round. Um, but he does have one of the higher ceilings on the cards. He can rack up multiple takedowns and land a bunch of ground and pound before the ref steps in. He can score 100-plus, no problem. And this is just a setup fight for him to get the win. So I like him a good bit. The only issue is affording him here. I like all these 9K fighters this week, so I, I want to mix them all in. And you can't pick them all in the same lineup, you know. So you got to pick and choose. Um I do want to be heavier than the field on Madsen just because I think he is one of the uh, more sure wins, you know, in early first round possibly. So I don't know if I can get to, you know, 50% exposure, but in my head, that's kind of what I'm looking at, what I would want to be with him. And then it's going to be a full fade on Belwardo. I mean, unless you, unless you want to throw him in one lineup, just because recently the cheapest guy on DraftKings has been winning people GPPs. Just for like superstitious reasons, if you want to throw him in one, that's the only reason I can think of. I don't see his, his path to victory here unless he knocks this guy out. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. So give me Madsen here. It's just 9,500 to lot to pay. Gunnar Nelson's taking on Gilbert Dorinho Burns. It's the battle of the black belts. Uh, two very exciting guys at welterweight. Which way are you leaning? I'm leaning Burns here. Uh, I would lean Burns even harder if it wasn't short notice. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how this fight plays out, how much grappling takes place. I think it would be fun if we did see some grappling in this fight. Uh, but I don't know. It could just end up being a striking match. And if that happens, we're going to need a knockout for one of these guys to be on that 25K lineup. So I'm probably not going to target this fight too heavily. I think both sides are in play, but I would rather just go Burns. Um, I don't know if I'll full fade Nelson here, but I'm not against it, especially if you're making you know five or less lineups, then I would be fading him. And Burns, I'll take some shots on him because I think he does have knockout power. If this fight does go to the ground, I like him more there. Uh, I just don't love that this fight's on short notice, and I could see this being a 15-minute striking battle um, where we'd be lucky to get 10x in the decision. So won't be a fight I'm really forcing into any lineups, but I'll take Burns to get the win. So on the light heavyweight division, you got a battle between two young sluggers, Khalil Roundtree and Iwan Kutelaba. Man, these two are going to stand and bang. I know a lot of people have tried to talk about Kutalaba's Greco-Roman background, but it seems to me like the guy likes to knock people out. So who do you think is going to get the better of the exchanges here? I'm going to go with the dog on this one. I just think he, I mean, it would be smart of him to make this a dirty fight and not strike with Roundtree at range. Um, so that's just what I'm going to, in my head, that's what I'm picturing him doing. So uh, on a card where I don't love a lot of underdogs, he is one that I do like to get the win. And if he does win, he probably scores highly. I mean, we got a um, – for this fight to not go to decision, it's minus 285. So I always like that for GPPs. This is a great fight to target both sides of. But I'm going to be heavier on cute labia here. Um, and I'm hoping that he does get the fight to the ground early and maybe gets a ground and pound finish or even a submission here. But if I'm going to go heavy on him, I want to be sure to have some Khalil lineups too because I don't really trust uh, Ion's fight IQ here. And if he is going to strike at range, he's probably going to end up getting knocked out. And Roundtree at $8,400, if he gets the knockout, he's probably going to be on the nuts lineup. So uh, one of the better GPP fights on the card. 
not quite all in, but it is going to be in more than half the lineups that I create. GPP only, though, I wouldn't touch this fight in cash just because they both have super low floors. Also in the light heavyweight division, you got Mikal Oleksaychuk taking on Ovint St. Pru. Very exciting matchup, obviously, the new versus the old. But man, Ovin St. Pru is known for going out there, knocking guys out, getting submissions. You think he uh, comes out here and gets the upset, or are you leaning with the favorite? I'm going to lean with the favorite here. Um, I just think Michael's the better fighter. He's on the way up. OSP is on the way down. Um, and I think Michael's going to end up testing his chin. I think he does end up getting a knockout in this fight. So I do like him. Um, the only issue is that I like all those 9K fighters. Uh, so I won't be able to afford too much of him because I, I like the fighters price above him just a little bit more. Uh, and I think OSP is an interesting play because with this fight having a minus 325 fight doesn't go to a decision line. As a cheap underdog, I think he has one of the highest ceilings because I don't see Belwardo or Landsberg getting a first-round knockout. But OSP does have that potential in his game. So I, I'm not against targeting him a little bit heavily in GPPs just because I won't be able to afford as much uh, Michael as I would like. But I I want to target this fight heavily. So it's probably going to be in half my lineups. And I would guess something like 30% OSP, 20% uh, Michael. But if you wanted to go heavier on either side, I mean, that's totally cool. It's just I, I would rather go Hermanson over Michael if I'm choosing 1v1. And right at that price range, I actually can't fit everybody in. So it's going to take away from his ownership. But I am going to pick him to get a first or second round knockout. And last but not least, you got John Phillips taking on Alan Amadovsky. Do you think there's going to be a case where they stand and bang until one man falls? Or do you see Amadovsky coming out here and trying to use some wrestling? I think they are just going to stand and bang. Um, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it, this is one of the fights I, I've been going back and forth, back and forth on, on who's going to win, on how it's going to play out. Um, I could see it being... Not the most exciting striking fight, but a 15-minute striking fight where there's no finish and no takedowns. And in that case, it's not going to score highly. So we are relying on the knockout here with two guys who are probably not going to grapple. But Vegas thinks we're going to end inside the distance. They say minus 205 fight doesn't go to a decision. So usually I'll just lean with them. Um, and that makes me want to target this fight on both sides. I think if this fight's just a, a brawl, I would favor Phillips. But if Ambedovsky can play it smart, I think he has more KO power, and I see him getting a counter knockout at some point in this fight. So he's going to be my preferred play, but this is another good fight that if you want to target both sides on and even go 50-50, I think that's fine because they're right there in the mid-range. Uh, but my preferred play is Ambedovsky, and I'm going to go a little bit heavier on him. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battles going down this Saturday in Copenhagen. They can follow you at Big Marley 3. Your bets and your write-ups are available at bestfightpicks.com. That's right, man. We got a max play this weekend. Uh, I'm so confident this cashes that if you go buy it this week and it does not cash, we got the next week on me. Um, but, yeah, let's get this, this max play this week. I can't wait for it. Now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Denmark? My fight to watch is going to be Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Nicholas Dalby. Look, Alex has been pulling some some stunts in there lately, so he's must see TV at this point. You don't know what he's going to do. And Nicholas Dalby, this guy is a guy that has a, a habit of getting dropped in that first round. I feel like this is going to be sleeper for fight of the night. So Alex Cowboy's must see TV and Dalby, 
man, this guy had a fight of the night with Till, had a great fight with Eliza. I mean, this guy brings him, man. I mean, look, let's put it this way. Dalby's first two UFC opponents were Zaleski and Till, and he went undefeated. And that's just facts. I mean, I can't dispute that. You know what I'm saying? That's just facts. What happened since then? That's uh, something else. But I can't wait for him versus Alex Cowboy. My fight to watch is going to be Alessio DiCirico versus Mahmoud Meridov. Look, there's a lot of strong opinions on this fight, not just in terms of predictions, but in terms of the betting line. To tell me that this line went from minus 230 Alessio DiCirico to plus 130 Alessio DiCirico. I mean, that's not just a flip, my friends. That means that... That people are confident on Floyd Mayweather's protege to a point where they don't just think he's going to beat Alessio DiCarico. They think he's going to run through him. And I think he's a very bright prospect. I want to see for myself. Alessio's no slouch. It's going to be a very exciting fight. For that reason, Alessio versus Mahmoud is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Copenhagen? My fighter to watch is going to be McCall Lord Olechech at 205. There's a lot of new guys coming in. And over in St. Prue, like I said, is one of the uh, most exciting 205ers of you know that uh, old generation. And if McCall can come out here and get this name on his resume, what he's done in four fights is very impressive, you know, to come out here and beat these guys that are much older than him. You know, McCall's only, what, 23, 24. So, you know, I feel like he's a fighter to watch. I love his uh, body punching, his pace, his boxing. And I love how he's going out here and doing all these against guys that are a lot bigger than him so McCall Olechechek is my fighter to watch yeah he's definitely one of the fighters to watch huge fight for him uh this weekend versus Ovin St. Prue for me my fighter to watch is Jack Shore look this is a kid that's been hyped for such a long time and now he's coming in here making this UFC debut on European soil and the way people are talking about this kid is that not only is he going to win this fight, but he's a potential top 15 guy. And I'm very curious to see if that's the case. And this fight will let me know a lot. Uh, and the, the, actions. <laughs> this fight will let me know a lot because uh, if he goes to a close decision with No Helene, then I'm going to talk about pumping the brakes. But if he runs through No Helene like I think he's going to, like I think he should, we might actually have something on our hands here in terms of you know another strong grappler in the Bantamweight division. So we'll see what happens. And he also has a country behind him. I know the UFC love to get behind guys like that. It didn't work out with my boy, Brett Johns. Maybe it works out with this kid. So Jack Shore is my fighter to watch. So before we wrap up the show, I just want to remind you guys to go to bestfightpicks.com and use that promo code MATADOR to save 15% off any VIP package. In addition to that, we're doing buy one, get one free. So you save 15% off this event, UFC Copenhagen, and then you get the next event free. On top of that, looking at a max bet here, the line is getting better. So go to bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code MATADOR to save 15%. Thank you guys again for checking out the show. Make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. My boy Shaq's uh, Instagram, ShaqBFP. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. I want to thank you guys so much for all your support. We're going to get back to those fan questions next week. Uh, and uh, thank you guys for all the kind words last week on that week off. And you know that we wouldn't just take a week off for no reason. So... Thank you guys very much for all the support. And until the next time, let's catch these bets.